Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In 1 John chapter 3, the Apostle John declared, quote, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. As Christians, we would not know what love actually is if not for what Jesus has done for us at the cross. The sacrificial death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul is the foundation of what love truly is. Let's open our Bible now to 1 John chapter 3 that we might better learn to sacrificially love others in the way that Jesus has loved us. grow more and more to know his love for us and to experience his presence, right? So thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, I, uh, I'm still humored when I realized that I had this big plan of getting this book done in 10 teachings, and it very well may be double that. So uh, <laughs> um, that's why I hold these things lightly. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So today we're, gonna, we're in uh, 1 John chapter 3, and the plan to, is to do verses... 11 to 18. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness. We thank you for your grace on our lives. Father, we thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for this book of 1 John. But as always, Father, we thank you most of all for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we worship you and thank you. We thank you, Lord, for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we could never live. We thank you for dying a torturous death on our behalf that we should have died. We thank you that you're alive and risen today, and we worship you today, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, hearts that understand. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Okay, 1 John chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 11. This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Wow. Okay. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Again, very strong message from the Apostle John. Very matter-of-fact message. Um, 
coming from John. And remember, this book, the five chapters of this book are, are a book that's written to us so that we can consistently examine ourselves so we can somewhat grade our walk in Jesus, right? Um, again, it's important we understand that our Heavenly Father's love for us is unconditional. We don't perform to get his love. However, he's, he's, he is more pleased with us, certainly, when we're living in an obedient and increasingly Christ-centered life, of course, right? So verse 11, this is the message you heard from the beginning we should love one another. And again, the Gospel of John, this book of 1 John, all of John's books, right? Uh, the Apostle John wrote the Gospel of John, the fourth, the fourth book, the fourth Gospel in the New Testament. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, right? And he wrote the book of Revelation. And a massive theme in John's writings is love. This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love from, we should love one another. And certainly John is, is talking here um, about the, the beginning of their Christian lives. Okay. That is almost certainly what he's talking about, right? Um, that, that from the beginning, since you became a Christian, uh, since you've genuinely received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, since you've understood the immense love of your heavenly Father and Jesus Christ our Lord, in the Holy Spirit, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, since you understood the tremendous love of Jesus in dying on your behalf and in your place, being judged on your behalf and in your place, and being raised from the dead, since the beginning of your salvation, since the beginning of your Christian walk, um, is when you, you understood what what love was and that love was, you know, uh, the, the greatest picture of love is in what Jesus did at the cross, right? On your behalf and, and on my behalf, right? In dying for us and being punished for us and being judged in a way that we should have been judged, right? In, 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 in living a perfect righteous life and then giving it to us crediting it to us as if we lived it and dying a torturous death that we should have died and taking all our sin on himself, past, present, and future. And that sacrifice, right, that he made at the cross is the picture of love. And the result of, of our being saved, the result of the beginning from the time we were first saved is that we ought to emulate that love for one another. This is the message you heard from the beginning we should love one another. Verse 12, do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. His brother was Abel. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. This is a, this is a principle where we can see this, this tremendous jealousy um, of, of pride, this jealousy that comes out of our sinful nature. Um, and, and John uses the example of Cain and Abel, right? The first two children of, uh, of, of Adam and Eve. Um, and, and he says, do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. Um, and so John is saying that the murder of Cain um, which was led by a jealousy because, you know, Abel, Abel's actions and, and service unto God were righteous and right and pure. And, and his were not. Cain had the opportunity to, to serve, 
you know, our heavenly father in that way, but he, but he chose not to. Right. Um, and because God, the father was, was naturally pleased with the righteous behavior of Abel, and he was displeased with the behavior of Cain, uh, Cain out of that jealousy and it became anger and bitterness and even hate murdered his brother Abel. Cain should have repented. Cain, when, when, when Cain saw that, that God was pleased with Abel's offering, but not with his, with Abel's life and not with his, Cain should have went before God our Father and, and repented. But instead he, he carried it out and uh, you know he, he continued to, to walk deeper into this sin and this bitterness and hate and ultimately murdered his brother Abel. And John says, we should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. So again, we can see that that murder here is, is something that's led by Satan, led by the demonic forces of this world. We certainly have a sinful nature, but something like as, as heinous as murder is always led and accompanied by the demonic forces, by Satan, you know, uh, egging us on in that direction, right? Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And we're going to see that that murder is, you know, is not just when you carry out the physical act of actually taking another individual's life. Uh, you know, we're, John is going to talk about just just hating your brother, and that's that's murdering him, right? Because when you hate someone, when you have actual hate and you wish the person was dead, or even if you have contempt, which is to say indifference, whether they live or die, uh, when you stand before your heavenly father, that is very similar in, in judgment to, to, to actual murder, right? Hate is, is, is the worst of all sins, an actual hate of another of another human being. Do not do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil, and his brothers were righteous. This is something that uh, that we ought to examine ourselves. Okay, as Christians, we are not above this. Um, can you see a jealousy? And hopefully, you don't. But examine your heart. Can you see? A jealousy, or can you see, can you look inside yourself and examine yourself? And that when you see brothers and sisters in Christ walking in a way that is truly righteous, walking in a way that's a genuine love for our Heavenly Father and for Jesus and for the Holy Spirit, when you see someone that's walking and laboring to walk in obedience because they want to please Jesus and they want to be like Jesus and they want to love our Heavenly Father by their life. Are, are you inspired by that? Or can you look inside of yourself and make excuses as to why they're living that way? That's a big deal, right? And all of us, if we look at ourselves, we should be able to see a, a little bit of that, right? And that's something we want to continue to just go before Jesus and root out of us, right? Just, just repent over any of it. When you see a brother or sister in Christ, living for Jesus. And I'm talking about a lifestyle for Jesus. Okay. I'm not talking about on a Sunday morning. All that's good. I'm talking about 
that when you see someone that has a consistent lifestyle of loving Jesus, of, of serving him, of walking in evangelism, of serving others, when you see someone that is just consistently forgiving, where they have a righteous lifestyle, does that give you joy? Does that, does that make you want to be like that person? Or does it, does it kind of bother you? Does the conviction that you're not like that cause you some, from, some frustration or irritation or bitterness against that person? And, it, and if you don't get it in check, it can lead to even hate. Wow. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Help us, Lord Jesus. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. Verse 13. Again, as, as Christians, the more we grow to know Jesus, the more we live for Jesus, the more this principle, right, will be an offense to the world. Okay. Um, as Christians, when we see our brothers and sisters in Christ, serving Jesus and loving him, again, that ought to be an inspiration to us. That ought to bring us joy. That ought to, that ought to drive us to want to, to be like them more and more. That ought to convict us that, you know what, I'm not living my life like that, and I ought to be. But the world, or those who, who are not truly saved, those who have not received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, those who have rejected Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, will take that as an affront, Okay, and they will they will begin to hate you more and more and more and more. The more you live for Christ, right? Paul told Timothy that that anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, right? Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. What's interesting is John has to tell them because because oftentimes as we're growing to walk with Jesus, and particularly if the name of Jesus is on our tongue more and more and more, the world won't like it, okay? We can walk around in the world and say, God bless you, God bless you, and we certainly should do that. But, but the more we make it specific, and we should do this, the more we actually speak about Jesus and talk about living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, forgiving for Jesus, not God, Okay, Jesus is, of course, God, but the more the name of Jesus and the specificity of Jesus is on your lips and the more you're doing everything for him personally, Jesus, the son of God, God, the son, uh, the, we shouldn't be surprised that that's an offense to the world. But for most of us, myself included, I can often be surprised why why people are not receiving my exhortation or my my evangelism or why they're they kind of. Sh- you know, they'll shy away from it or just, you know, uh, you know, my whole Christian life, I have, I've made people uncomfortable, right? Just, just talking about Jesus too much. And I'm surprised. John says, do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. Verse 14, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. This is interesting. As I was studying for this, uh, some of the scholars made a great point that, that, that as a rule, right, all of us think we pass from life to death. We're living our lives and one day we're going to die. We pass from life to death. But verse 14 says, we know that we have passed from death to life. We have, we have passed from spiritual death and come into spiritual life, eternal life 
when we've received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. If we're genuinely saved today, if you're genuinely and sincerely clinging to Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, deliverance from the wrath of God and eternal hell, and to bring you to heaven when you die, then you have, you have passed from spiritual death to spiritual life. You actually have eternal life, which remember is not not just a, a quantity of life, but a quality of life living in you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. So here's, a, here's another test, right? Do you love your brothers and sisters in Christ, right? As a man or woman today who claims to be a Christian, do you have a sincere love for your brothers and sisters in Christ? And I'll say this, even your brothers and sisters in Christ who don't who, who don't appreciate you, right? A, a good test for me as, again, um, you know, throughout my Christian life, I have, you know, I have been undiscerning in my, you know, in my approach to Christian leadership oftentimes. And, uh, and it's something that hopefully I'm working on and getting better at. Um, but, you know, so, so oftentimes I haven't been well received, right? Um, but I still have a love for my brothers and sisters in Christ and pastors and leaders, um, you know, that I've known, you know, over the, over the past 25 years and, you know, and I, and, you know, I, you know, it, it, I, my heart is to see them doing well. My heart is to see them, you know, growing in Christ. If I hear that they're sick or struggling, I have a grief in my heart, right? We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. So again, can you look into your heart and see a, a tangible concern for your brothers and sisters in Christ? And, and again, not only for those who appreciate you and love you, but for those who may not appreciate you and love you, right? This is a, a clear sign, a genuine sign that, that you do have eternal life, that you're genuinely saved, is that you have a love and concern for your brothers and sisters in Christ, right? We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. John is saying, if you can look into your heart, and just see that you have really very little to no concern at all for other Christians. Because remember, other Christians are your family. If you're a genuine Christian and not just a professing Christian, then every other genuine Christian is a, is a spiritual brother or a spiritual sister. And the manifestation of that ought to be a, a genuine love and concern from that, for them. John says, anyone who does not love remains in death. If there is absolutely no concern or love for other Christians, then you ought to question whether you're really saved, right? And go back to the foot of the cross and receive Jesus anew and afresh. Humble yourself before Jesus. Acknowledge your hopeless, helpless, desperate, sinful condition. Acknowledge that without him, only eternal hell awaits and call out to him. Genuinely call out to him and ask him to save you and to be the Lord of your life. And if you do that with that heart, with a genuine and sincere heart, Romans 10, 13 promises that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not our words that save us, but we use our words to communicate our heart to Jesus. And anyone who sincerely, knowing their hopeless and helpless condition, cries out to Jesus for salvation and for forgiveness will be saved. God has given his word, right? Now, we can't just puppet words. It has to be a, a genuine, sincere calling of our heart, right? Verse 15, anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. And we have talked about this earlier, right? That, 
that if you can recognize absolute hate in your heart, a desire that 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 someone was dead, a contempt for an individual person, whoever it is, that you don't care whether they live or die, when you stand before God, right? When you stand before Jesus, it's it's tantamount to murder, right? Again, you know, the vast majority of people who have hate haven't carried out the actual physical act of murderer. But John says anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, okay? So this is how bad hate is. So again, obviously, you know, all of us have been wronged by other people and some have had had terrible wrongs done to them or their loved ones or their or their family, right? Um, someone have, some have lost loved ones, right, to murder. Um, but 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 we want to get to a place where we can come before Jesus and and give that person over to Jesus, release them to Jesus. So again, if you can look into your heart today and you can just see hate for other people in your life, even in your family, right? You just want to ask Jesus to forgive you. You want to just ask Jesus to, to heal you and to help you to begin to, to walk out of that hate or that contempt. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. There's, some, there's been some misapplication to this verse that somehow says that if, if someone has committed physical murder, that, that there's no chance for them to be saved. That's not what John is, is saying here, okay? Obviously, you know, uh, committing murder is, 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 the, is the greatest sin that we can do, right? But <clears throat> we've seen in the scriptures, right, um, you know, the King David. Right. Um, you know, had Uriah murdered and yet obviously David is saved. Right. So um, but, you know, when you're when you're living in this state of murder, if you're murdering someone in your heart with hate, then then it's very probable that you're not genuinely saved. And again, you want to go back to the foot of the cross. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. Verse 16, this is how we know what love is. So John's going to give a definition of love here. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. We wouldn't know what love was if we didn't have the cross. The picture we have, the greatest picture we have of genuine sacrificial love is the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, now many things, right? We use the word love very lightly, okay? Um, there are four words for love in the Greek language, right? Um, eros, which is an erotic sexual love. Storge, which is like a, a family love, a love of a parent and a child. Um, phileo, right, which is a tremendous love we have for our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? And, and friendship. And then there's the love of our father, this love, it's called agape love, right? And it's an unconditional love. It's a selfless love. It's a love that loves not because of, but in spite of, right? And this is the love of our heavenly father, of Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is the love of the cross. It's an unconditional love. We deserved hell. And yet Jesus Christ gave his life, sacrificed his life so that we would have the forgiveness of our sins, salvation of our soul, relationship with our heavenly father, and to spend eternity in heaven when we die or when he comes, right? This is how we know what love is, okay? We would not know what love is except 
Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. And so John is saying, here's the, here's the greatest example that you are walking with Jesus that you have a growing relationship with your heavenly father, undoubtedly the greatest evidence that you are truly saved, right? Is that, is that you can see a growing lifestyle of not only obedience to Jesus, but of living a selfless, a selfless, sacrificial, Christ-like life for others. So when John says, you know, and we, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Uh, very rarely, it may happen where you'll, you'll be called to actually give your physical life on behalf of, of the kingdom of God and your brothers and sisters in Christ. But more often that John is talking about laying down our lives in a moment by moment, day by day, sacrificial way. And in this way, emulating the great sacrifice of Jesus and laying down his life for us. You see that? That's powerful. That's important. And it's, uh, it's something I'm convicted about, just talking about it. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Who, you know, the people, again, we ought to do this for everyone, but particularly our brothers and sisters in Christ. And this is hard to do, right? It's hard to live a life of selflessness, Right. Some of the old church fathers used to say the greatest virtue of Jesus, if you only had to pick one, was his selflessness. And obviously that's in contrast to our biggest problem. Certainly mine is selfishness. Right. Um, you know, we, we, we want our own way. I've said this before. I am a man of preference. I like what I like and I like pursuing what I like. But emulating Jesus is to grow to be more and more selfless, to more and more, you know, lay down our lives, to, to make sacrifices for our brothers and sisters in Jesus, right? Look what he says in verse 17. He'll give you an example of what this looks like. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in it? And so, again, part of this sacrifice, a major part of this sacrifice is financial. OK, um, obviously, in the West and in all countries in the world that are not really third world countries, we have an abundance. Right. Certainly, you know, all of America, all of Europe, really, um, the vast majority of it, um, you know, the vast majority of Asia, we, we have a massive abundance if anyone has material possessions, okay, so that means we have, we have money and we have an excess, right? We have actually more than we need, which make no mistake is all of us, and sees his brother in need. So now that, that you have plenty, you have more than you need in the way of all material possessions, which again, certainly everyone listening to this or almost everyone listening to this, depending if, you know, you may be in Africa and, you know, I know some folks in Africa listen to these and you may not have as much, but even then this was a, this would apply to you as well. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? So again, this, this laying down your life for others really begins with your material worldly possessions, with your money, 
Do you have a heart to be a blessing when you see people in need, right? Now, again, this is, this is not a license for someone to, uh, you know, to live a life to where they are just consistently in need because they've been wasteful. But at the same time, even if that is the case, if someone's been very bad in, in financial stewardship, it's still, it's still good for you to get them some food, to bless them, and to help them along, okay? Now, again, it, it doesn't mean that you're going to embolden this lifestyle. It doesn't mean you're going to enable them, right? But you ought to have a lifestyle of having pity on those who, who are in need, right? Um, and again, no matter how bad they've been, you know, you should be willing to bless them, to help them out with food, regardless of how poor they've been in, in financial stewardship, right? But again, you see the purpose here of what of what sacrificial love looks like. When we have excess in our lives, we ought to have a concern for those, you know, who are struggling, right? If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Here's a test. If you have no pity, no concern for people that are struggling, that are hungry, that are poor, right? That are oppressed, and people in your life that are struggling, right? And you have no pity on them. You don't pray for them. You don't care about them. That's a good test. You very well may not have eternal life or the love of Jesus living in you. Verse 18, dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. And this is, this is a profound verse. John is not saying we shouldn't love with words. He's saying that our love ought not to be only known by our words and our tongue. This is important. It is important that that we use the words "I love you." It is important that that we 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 even tell Jesus that we love him. Right, a brother of ours uh, uh, in, in Kingdom Discipleship. Right, one of the guys, Josh. Um, you know, he's up and coming a leader in kingdom discipleship. And, you know, he spoke about telling Jesus that you love him. We should use our words to communicate our love to our heavenly father and to Jesus, um, into the Holy spirit. And we should certainly tell one another that we love one another. That's a good thing, but that shouldn't be it. Right. Dear children. And he's speaking about all Christians here. Let us not love with words or tongue but with actions and in truth. If you have a lifestyle of saying, I love you, I do, that's a good thing. But there certainly needs to be a lifestyle that accompanies that, right? We need to be, to be speaking um, of our love, again, for, for our triune God, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit, and certainly speaking our love and telling one another we love one another, but that absolutely must be accompanied in our actions and in our sacrificial love and in our care and in our prayers and in our financial generosity in serving and helping those who are in need. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. Father, we ask you to help us to increasingly live a, a more selfless, 
Christ-centered life. Father, I ask you to forgive me. Forgive us, Father, where we we just consistently lived a, a myopic and selfish life, Father. Help us, Holy Spirit. Convict us. Point us to Jesus, Holy Spirit. Give us eyes that see Jesus, ears to hear him, hearts to understand him, and drive us that we might live more and more like our King and Savior and Master, Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen and amen.